Well, hello once again, everybody, and welcome to After Further Review with Mark Ferreira and John Pelkey. I am John Pelkey. Mark Ferreira will join me momentarily. Our producer, Jeff Taylor, on the board as well. want to take an opportunity to wish everyone, as we're taping here, right around 2 o'clock on Monday, a happy Memorial Day. Uh, a shout-out to all of our active-duty military, retired military, anybody uh, who... Uh, ever served in any branch of service. Thank you so much uh, for your service and everything that you do. It's great to be able to recognize you on this bizarre, most bizarre of all Memorial Days since we can't be at some sort of a cookout. Um, but anyway, thank you again to all of our service members and particularly uh, thinking today about those who gave the last full measure so that we may live freely and not so, have to wear a mask. Right. So that we uh, may. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I stepped all over. Stepping all over. Oh I'm so God. sorry. of podcasts. The right second, there, the second you're given a note about stepping all over me, yes. seconds into the show, I step over you. Unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's okay, Mark. First of all, happy Memorial Day to both of you guys. Uh, Mark, I have to assume for you. Um, <laughs> I know where this. I already know where this is. Memorial Day. It's kind of a. Uh, it's 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 somewhat of a, a, a double-edged sword for you because I know you support certainly our our military and uh, you are someone with a uh, with a good understanding of our history. But uh, the cookout seems like something that probably is a little less than appealing to you. <laughs> Outside, re- required that you bring a dish of some sort. Uh, it just doesn't seem to play to your strengths. Um, you got to do things with your hands. You know, I, like I closed stores so that like 10 minutes before you're supposed to have to arrive purchase is really, really, you know, you've limited where you can go. So Memorial Day being shut down and people uh, having to stay out of each other's business. This, this must be one of the one of the one of the more memorable and best memor- uh, Memorial Days of your life. Well, I, I don't know if I would go that far, and I will say that after this taping, I'm headed to the lake, the cabin, whatever nomenclature you want to apply to it, and we are going to have a cookout. But alas, John, to your point, I'm not going to be the one cooking out. Of course, I'm never the guy they go to when it says, hey, you want to cook out? They never look at me. Mark, you are the living embodiment of, hey, we need ice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You know, on on so many levels, on so many levels, I am I I, and and it's and in in my darker moments, I realize that I am what uh, what Donald Trump calls uh, Andrew Cuomo's younger brother, Chris Cuomo. I am really afraid. I'm the guy they have go to the airport. Go ahead. Pick up this guy. (laughs) Not like everybody says. I was your older brother. It should have been me. I'm smart. I got passed <laughs> over, Michael. I got passed over. <laughs> I'm never. I'm never asked to cook out. I'm never asked to cook out. No. Because maybe the actor with the fewest, uh, with with the fewest credits, because sadly he passed away of cancer at a very young age. Really terrific actor. But he may be the actor with the fewest credits that everyone has a John Cazale impersonation. Now it's all Fredo. But still, give let's let's hear it for John. Cazale. His his resume is impeccable. The movies oh that he God. was in in it his is. short time, it's unbelievable. Yeah, like it's it seems like every movie he made, and it seems like he made five between seventy four and seventy eight, essentially, or seventy two and seventy eight, that all of them were a Best Picture nomination. 
were, were, were nominated for Best Picture. Godfather 1 and 2, obviously. I think The Conversation was a Best Picture nomination. Certainly Deer Hunter was a Best Picture nomination. And Dog Day Afternoon may have been a Best Picture nomination, John. I mean, it's a remarkable career. But, yes, I feel like that guy because I'm not – I don't – I I don't work with my hands. I'm not strong. <laughs> I'm not strong. I'm not, John. You can't I'm, come I'm, in here and talk to Mo like that, Mo. I'll, I'll go to the dance. <laughs> I mean, that is you, brother. You do look a tad bit jaundice. Uh, yeah. See, there you go. There it is. There it is. Oh. And I shouldn't because I'm I'm a swarthy guy. I should not have a jaundice look about me. So that's probably indicating all kinds of other issues, John Palkia, as you can imagine. To, to your but, point. Uh, John Cazale has John Cazale did uh, five, six, seven movies. All right, uh, excuse me, six movies: The Godfather, The Conversation, The Godfather Part Two, Dog Day Afternoon, The Deer Hunter. Yeah, all of them were Best Picture noms, right? His only credits outside of that is one episode of a show called NYPD that was on from 1967 to 1969, and a short from 1962 called The American Way. Yeah. So, again, shortest resume of any actor that everybody has an impersonation of. Or certainly certainly guys of a certain age who have watched The Godfather, you know, thousand times. times. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, anyway, that's my thing. And 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 as I was mentioning in an earlier episode, you know, the the things that you don't bring to the table have come to the fore during the coronavirus uh, lockdown. And, you know, it's a little unfortunate for me. I have to say it's a little you, unfortunate. You've finally been exposed. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I mean, and you're to be credited for taking this long. You're almost 60 years old. I mean, 60 years of of nothing but but sucking on the teat of society. Take, 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 take. Yeah. So little to hang your hat on for achievement. Right. And you made it to 60 and people are like, yeah, forever, pretty good guy. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. The, the Paris, the, the parasitical, if you will, uh, lifestyle. Uh, just you know, to your point, sucking off of just sucking off of society, just being a parasite. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's been unfortunate. And you know, I, I I do my best with that kind of stuff, but I'm just not very naturally gifted, if you will, in those mm-hmm. in those ways. Mm-hmm. And especially in a holiday like this, John, it has always come to the fore, e- even yeah. before COVID. It's like it's I'm I'm pretty much exposed to every holiday at the lake. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. been my history there for 18 years. It's like every holiday, it just never goes well. Well, you know, and here's the thing, like for Christmas, you know, maybe there's a sing-along. And you're, you're talent, you're musical theater performing. You know, Mark could be, oh, let, hey, Mark, do Mr. Heat Miser. You know, whatever the hell it is that you, we sit around with the perfect fifths and do your crap. Listen I don't to know. you. I don't Listen know to what you. I the don't know what you have. I just I shared something today, and it's like you bring it up immediately. That sounds like me, John, actually. I don't, I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. But Memorial Day, it's not like, oh, no. hey, hey, Mark, sing us the Battle Hymn of the Republic. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that might be a choice for you. Well, I, I, I could actually make that sing work. Sing with me the plowshares of a hundred. You know the words to uh, Battle I, I of the do, Republic? I do, actually. I love, I love the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Yeah, me too. Me too. But, uh, yeah, no, just to, to your point, this is you, you, this is you, you grill. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's, you know, <laughs> fire, lighting the grill. I mean, uh, maintaining, you know, it, it, I can only imagine, you know, say, say if you— 
have three stakes on there and one of them has to be, you know, like you like them, shoe leather. And then one is, uh, you know, medium and one's medium rare. Now, now you're juggling time and it's just, it does not play to your strengths. No, I mean, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's a, um, what, what's the word? It's a, it's just a topic of shame. It's a topic of shame for me. It goes very deep. Well, now we have and, a title for the show. <laughs> and and the thing about it, what's what, what gives you a very special insight into my character, is that despite the fact that it goes directly to all of my Catholic guilt and shame, mm-hmm. and it really is relatively debilitating, as debilitating as it is for you when you listen to the show. For instance, yeah. I have, I have, I have done so little about handling that, about uh, turning that around, if you will, making a better man out of myself. I've done nothing. Because you know why, Mark? Effort overrated. I just, I just, I've learned to live with shame. But what? No, actually, I, I think you. I think the whole thing is you skated through. I don't you think you made it this far. I don't think you are have anything to be ashamed of. For every great man in history. There was a right-hand man. Maybe you're just Tonto. Now, Mark is a great wingman. Mark was known as a great wingman because, yeah. you know, he's he's uh, jovial, intelligent, yeah. funny, non-threatening. That's a big right. one. I'm, I'm um, a good companion. I'm a right. good companion. Right. You can chat up a young lady for a while, and, you know, eventually she's going to. You know, go. Well. I'll hand her off. I'll hey, hand her right, off exactly. to the Lone Ranger. <laughs> a little Cyrano, a little Cyrano thing going there. Very nicely. That's that's good. So now, now that we've gotten to the bottom of that, Jeff, you were over at the beach this weekend. What was that like? Give us the Corona Beach experience. The beach was really a strange experience because nobody was following any rules. I saw. Right. I was I'd say one per 50 people were wearing a mask, lots of uh, hugging of friends. And uh, and and it was it was as if uh, I had taken uh, the old DeLorean back to the future (laughs) and uh, everything was different. And and, uh, you know, I, I basically had Memorial Day over all of the the second half of last week but then today was supposed to be we were going to we were supposed to barbecue but my CDO wife and her OCD friend uh that are both big time planners yesterday the text message came through hey we're moving memorial day to wednesday because the weather is going to suck and i am just never comfortable with the planning being done like that, because I'm I'm a go with it kind of guy, like I'm a make it work kind of guy, and I had to text this morning, good call, on moving <laughs> Memorial Day to Wednesday because the weather is not barbecue weather today. So no, Wednesday we're gonna really have a great not. barbecue. That it's plays it. to my that plays to me, Bob. I mean yeah. Bob, <laughs> Bob, it or Bob. It's as if I'm talking to my son, raising him like like me. You know, although right. my son, luckily and fortunately for him. Uh, spent some time with his stepfather, who was a very hands-on, con- worked, loved woodworking. Right, right. Well, you know, it's West Virginia. There's no electricity, or uh, <laughs> so. I mean, you know, you got to be handy. You got to, you know, so, shape a log cabin out of whatever piece you you stole you from the Indians, whatever piece of yes. you took from the Indians and yes. stuff. You know, it's kill your own food, gut it, 
Yep. And in. Bobby's a creative guy and applied it to his his hands. You know what I mean? And uh, and obviously he's already uses his hands a lot better than I do because he's so proficient at guitar and piano and bass and everything else. So at any rate, but that's good, Jeff. Uh, this weather will play to me. Now, you said something about your wife. You said OCD with her friend, and you said CDO with your wife? What do yeah, you mean? she's so OCD that it has to be in alphabetical order. <laughs> oh, my. Oh. I'm that slow clapping that. I am slow clapping that. That's awesome. That's a, you need those people in your life, though. You really do, particularly if you're just sort of a scattered, messy person like I am. That's me. That yeah, I, particularly if you're all of us on this show. Yes, yeah. exactly. All right. Speaking of this show, we should probably get back to the reason that we were here, which is to nominally talk about sports. Um, though, again, it's a holiday show and we're, 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 there are other things we need to talk about. I, a little bit later, we're going to get into one of the most beloved films of all time that Mark will then say nasty things about. And uh, and we'll have to go after him even further. But first, it's time for a progressive trivia, Mark. And it is my show today. I'm driving. But you, uh, you're, you're more on top of the progressive trivia thing. So you have a progressive trivia for our show. I do, I do, and I guess I'll do one tonight as well, John. I'm assuming you're I was gonna... thinking we take. I would. I was. I was. I was thinking we take Memorial Day off. Well, see, that's a great. That's a great call. I think we'd take Memorial Day off from a progressive trivia, and I'll go live and I'll let everybody know. It's like, look, people, entertain yourselves. All right. Right. It's a friggin' Find holiday. something else to do for a change. You Old may find guy, they already were. For grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you're, you're lucky we're here, people, to be quite frank. So I, I, will, I will mention Memorial Day hater Mark Ferreira sends a text to me going, what are we going to do a show? Because, you know, Memorial Day. No, again, and I, I was the one that said I, I'm up for it. I'm ready to do a show yeah. if you guys are up for it. You know, the way that's the other thing, too. I've not only survived because I've been spoiled by all the women in my life up to this point wow. and, you know, it's been okay not to be this guy, but I've also survived all of the narrative shifts that John Pelkey has worked so hard to create out there for me to try and make to try and to try and give people an extra insight from his point of view into the uh, the dark soul of Mark Ferreira. I've survived that, including this. I was the one saying, "Hey, guys, want to do a show? Who's up for it? I'm okay either way, but." And now it comes down to there's really there's there's nothing like remembering those who came before us who ran into battle and yes. secured our freedom by not doing a show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, All right. So here we go. Really we, got point. we have baseball coming up here. And um, I like this one a lot. We'll see how you guys do. This guy's a Cy Young Award winner. Not C.Y. Young, but Cy Young. <laughs> he has led the league over the course of his career in wins, complete games, strikeouts, inning pitch, and shutouts. So at any particular time, he led the league in one of those categories, maybe multiple times. Under a 2.00 postseason ERA, and he has over 60 innings pitched, so it's, it's a qualifying statistic, if you will. And 160-plus wins in his career. So there it is. 160 plus. So for those of you who may be you know, jumping in, just uh, not having not heard the show, hopefully we're adding listeners. We should let you know that we do 160 plus versus specific statistics because people will cheat. 
uh, openly and use performance enhancing uh, devices. And so but we should say 160 plus probably means that the guy won somewhere between 160 and 170. Let's say 175 games most at most. You wouldn't win 160 plus for a 300 game winner. We're not that big of assholes. No, we're not. (laughs) Well, we are, but not for this. No, we're not. Right. So that that's what it is. Those are the first four clues for our baseball progressive trivia, which I think baseball on Memorial Day is a uh, appropriate sport to do. It really is an appropriate sport to do. And we don't have a lot of actual sports to talk about, but there was a live sporting event yesterday. Yes, and it there was, was. It was pretty darned entertaining and compelling, having very little to do at most times with the actual sport itself. Uh, Of course, I'm talking about the match yesterday where Phil Mickelson and uh, Tom Brady took on Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. Uh, The the weather was horrific, which actually added to it for me, because how many times and I don't golf any longer. But how many times have you gone out, you know, as an amateur, you've gotten a a tee time and you've gone out and it started to rain on you, particularly here in Florida. So that was fun to see. But what was most fun to see for me, Mark Ferreira, was the relationship between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Which is obviously a very good relationship. I agree. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And to your point, Peyton really knows how to deliver punchlines. He really he really knows how to set up a joke and then pay it off. Great timing. Yep. At someone else's expense, oftentimes. And it's all with a, you know, uh, a wink and a nod. And you've got Tom Brady in the frame just smiling and listening. It's you know, it's. It's as charming as it gets. It really is. If if there is any more evidence about Tom Brady and being the GOAT, you know, when, when you have that conversation, it's Tom Brady and Joe Montana, but they echo each other in a couple of ways because both of all, most, most of all, that they're incredibly great quarterbacks and generally play their best in the biggest games. But as personalities, neither of them are particularly compelling. Right, they're both the a little bit boring. Right. Um. Brady, the funniest thing for me with Brady is that, you know, he's still like that, you know, high school guy. Come on, boys. Hey, you're going to have a game. How many times do you go? Oh, great job, boys. And Peyton sitting over there going, no, no, no. The moneymaker is me being entertaining and I'm going to be entertaining. And oh, by the way, I'm a better golfer than you, Tom Brady. That was pretty darn apparent as well. Though Brady had the shot of the of the match. Though Brady came up with clutch shots, and the greatest as thing his was persona would suggest. Well, and what the one thing too is what what did you learn? Do not taunt Tom Brady. First of all, why you would do that anyway is just, and I'm all for taunting. You know, you want to get up in Gary Danielson's grill during a game, do it. You you want to go after Jay Fiedler, have at him. Right. See, but you don't want to go after Tom Brady. You like to kick people when they're down, John. We've, just, we've, we've established that already. No, but you don't go after Tom Brady because uh, Charles Barkley, who is notoriously horrible. Charles Barkley may literally be the uh, rounds played versus ability. maybe the biggest um, chasm in the history of golfers because he admittedly loves golf and plays a lot of golf. And he has maybe the worst swing of anyone I've ever seen. But he, after Brady uh, sliced a few into the into the Palmettos and even hooked one in, I believe, as well, um, was playing everywhere but the fairway early on, he starts talking trash about wanting a piece of Brady. And he gets to the point where he's like, can he hear me? I want to talk to Brady. And he's talking trash to him. And then Tom rolls out this wedge that he just bites onto the green and rolls in uh, for a par 
in a situation where, I mean, had a professional golfer done that, you would have said, oh. wow, hell of a shot. Oh, yeah. I mean, what um, was it, 160 yards? What was it? Yeah, it was. I it was. It, it, yeah, it was a six iron in. So I don't know. I, I, I I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't remember if that was the the hole where they all they had to use the same club on the entire hole. And I think they all used six irons. Um, but it, yeah, it was a it was a ridiculous shot in any case that Brady made, and uh, it just it just struck me. It's like don't no no give him no reason. Simply say to him, Tom. Constantly, you're the best I've ever seen. You're going to be great at this. Uh, because you're probably going to be right, and and you don't piss him off, and you don't want to piss him off. Which, if I were Tiger and Peyton, I'd have a little issue with Barkley. Yes, because they were cruising before he started getting on that. They they were what three up going into eleven or twelve, I think. So they were three up after I think seven or eight, maybe. Oh yeah, but I'm saying even they ha- they held the lead. Yes, indeed. In, yeah. yeah, even uh, up into that shot and actually threw it. But yeah, I agree. It's uh, you're right. You don't want to do that with Tom. He will outperform his skills. He will. He will. He does what he does with his teammates which is get them to perform at a higher level than they're used to that they're used to doing and that's what he does when things matters most. I think we would probably agree that Peyton Manning overall and certainly looking at his career had a better skill set, had a better understanding of the game perhaps even because of all of the ability he had at the line of scrimmage. But when things when push came to shove, Tom Brady had the best ability of any quarterback out there, including Joe Montana, who is a close number two, to outperform his skill set, if you will. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And, and in some way, you know, in, in Peyton's family, that's really sort of Eli. Is that oh, when Eli absolutely. was presented with the, with the, the biggest uh, hurdles, you know, he won games at Florida Field, at the Swamp, when he was in, on a Mississippi team that was nowhere near as good as the Florida team that he was playing. And Peyton took better Tennessee teams and couldn't do that. Somebody once said about Peyton Manning, uh, and, you know, when you – this has been talked about really ad infinitum, but uh, he was always looking for the perfect play. And I asked a question in an improvisational show we did many, many years ago, and we did another one actually online last night. Would you rather be – uh, it went well. It went very well. Right. Uh, would you rather be driven or adaptable? Now, certainly you would like to be both. And I think that's what Tom Brady is. A little more than Manning was adaptable in game situations. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that, that's that's a great point uh, with Brady is that uh, the pressure got more once they get three down. You can see Tom Brady is ultra competitive in every situation. I think yesterday Peyton Manning understood the stage very well. And he did an awful lot for the brand that is Peyton Manning because I have now I now have a man crush on Peyton Manning. Yeah. And I hated Peyton Manning. Because now, of, of how funny he is and how skilled he is at, at timing and the delivery we've talked about. He's he's embraced this new role and it's like anything else. He's just loaded with gifts and talents. Yeah. You know, yeah. where his brother and his biggest competitor in his are far less gifted, are far less skilled and gifted. Right. And yet they, between them, have eight Super Bowls and Peyton has two. So, you know, what does that <laughs> right. tell you? Right. And, and, and perhaps there'll be someone coming along later. But, I mean, Peyton is really kind of uh, – redefining the athlete's place, the the post-retirement athlete's place. 
Yeah. And, you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. Now, let me ask you quickly, John, because I don't have this call. You're much more college football astute than I am. That game that Tim Tebow came up and said, we are we are going to adjust this. Yeah, we are going to work. And he was almost teary eyed and they went on to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. Was that after a game with Eli that they lost to Southern to or Ole Miss, to Ole Miss or not? Uh, it was an Ole Miss loss. I think Eli was gone at that point. That's I think what that I was. Thought. I thought that I, thought I think like that was, was after Eli. So it was even more of a, a, a surprise that they were able to go in and beat Florida at that point. But uh, good call on that, though. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Tebow. Uh, is an interesting guy to bring into that conversation as far as physical gifts and stepping up. And, and he was a guy who I think had certain physical gifts, but also was a guy who in the biggest game seemed to seem to even overachieve in that Out, respect. Yeah. Outperform his skill yeah, set. I love that. Outperforming his easiest. skill set. Yeah. I, I outperform your skill sets more uh, erudite. So we're going to stick with that. Cause well, that's thank you. Thank you very much. Every now and then. Yeah, exactly. Blind squirrel. Uh, <laughs> Broken clock. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to yet another progressive trivia. And I had a guess, and I haven't texted it to you yet, Mark. But I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for the second set of clues uh, as we uh, as you go through them. I think I have a guess on this one. Beautiful. Okay, so we'll review the first four clues. It was Cy Young Award winner has led the league over the course of his career in wins, complete games, strikeouts, innings pitched, and shutouts. So all sort of pitching categories. At one time or another, he's led the league in. Under a 2.00 postseason ERA, which obviously is highly impressive, and over 60 innings pitched, so it's very credible. Right. He didn't pitch two games and have e- that. Exactly. 60 innings is is um, certainly a uh, outstanding sample size for a well, postseason you pitcher. That's that's at least at the very least like nine games. Yeah, you're right. At the very least, it's nine games. So it, it's a good sample size, and okay. under. Under 2-0 is outstanding. 160-plus wins. Played with six teams. Played in both leagues. He went to six consecutive All-Star games. Check this out, John. Only other guy besides Carl Hubble to strike out five consecutive AL batters in an All-Star game. Because we all know the famous Carl Hubble story. Yeah, it's like uh, uh, Ruth, Gehrig, Tony Lazeri, who's all Yankees, clearly. I think uh, Cobb. Was it Cobb? Was it back then? Yeah, yeah. No, that that's crazy. Oh, wow, that is a really, really good one. Now, now I'm off the guy that I think it was. He pitched a no-hitter. One. And he was a rookie of the year, also. Okay. So, um, once again, Cy Young Award winners led the league over the course of his career in wins, complete games, strikeouts, innings pitched, and shutouts under a 2.00 postseason ERA with over 60 innings pitched in the postseason. 160-plus wins, six teams he played for, both leagues, six consecutive All-Star appearances, which is noteworthy, once striking out five consecutive American League batters. I think the only other guy to do that besides Carl Hubble in the famous 1934, whatever it was, All-Star. Yeah, that would have been after Cobb. If it, was like it would have been after Cobb, like, you're right. After Cobb, yeah. Pitched a no-no. <laughs> sorry, I, sorry, I said it that way. That's a little DQ. He pitched a no-hitter, and he was a rookie of the year. It is not John Tudor. It's mm-hmm. not John Tudor. Right, because John Tudor had a lot of success for a kind of a short period of time. He's a fairly dominant pitcher, so I thought National League guy as an All-Star, so... Thought that might be on some St. Louis teams that went to a lot of playoffs, but not John Tudor, clearly. So I become that guy to go into the bathroom. No, it's not John Tudor. Oh, by the way, uh, who was it? 
I think it was my mom. My mom and Russ Ayers both texted me. My mom FaceTimed me actually today because she was so against what I had said about the match. And I should have brought this up in our last segment, which is, you know, when I should have brought it up because that's when we were talking about it. Oh, who cares? It's a holiday show. But I said the thing about the, the matchups were, were good in terms of pairing controversial guys with beloved guys. And she agreed with you, Jeff. She said she wanted Tiger and Tom Brady. She yeah. wanted because she loves those guys. She loves them with all of her heart. She thinks Mickelson. She can't stand Mickelson. Wow. And she thinks Peyton Manning is Southern Cal, SoCal guy. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mickelson's and, polarizing, though. Mickelson has some haters. He does. He has some, but they're. They're not as loud as the Tiger haters, you know what I mean? They've kind of softened on that now. And the funny thing is Mickelson, uh, again, uh, you know, you have uh, he's playing with Brady, who's kind of the quieter type driven Tiger, more the quieter type, not driven. But they also broke it up well because Mickelson is anything but the quieter type. I love when Tiger said uh, because Mickelson's just just going on about Mickelson can answer a yes, no question with a four thousand word essay. and uh, at one point, Tiger, he's up on the tee, and Mickelson's just rum- rambling, and Tiger just goes, every time I play with him, this is what you get. Talk, <laughs> talk. Really funny. So splitting him up that way, too, because it may, you know, you had one, as opposed to having one loquacious group, right. and then just a non-verbal group. Uh, it, it, it broke out, broke up better doing, but both, both Russ Ayers and my mom, Nana is, is what she's known on in the, in the show. She went on and on. She went on and on about how much she disagreed with me on the pairings and agreed with Jeff, but she went on and on about your story, John, about how much she adored, adored your strategy. (laughs) Doing a progressive knowing what people are going to say and eight feet. Eight feet before they got to the booth, <laughs> saying it's not Cal oh. Ripken. Oh. And she got such a kick out of that because she loves uh, people being, I don't know what the word is, Shame. but people Troll. shamed or, or, or victimized in that way. Okay. Having to somehow, you know, the cartoon stopping of the feet, you know, with a. Yeah. 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 <laughs> She loved that, and then Russ Ayers just loved uh, your Lincoln joke, and is a, is a big fan as well. So you know, on the we are, you know, not Northern and Southern California, we got some fans out there, Jeff. So I, I hope you're impressed with that. I am impressed with everything you guys do, and one of those two people, not even related to Mark. Here's the, here's the interesting thing: ninety seven percent of our audience are people related to Mark. And zero percent of our audience are people related to me. Right. You know, well, you know, literally no one in my family has ever listened to the show. Right. With the exception of my wife, who's listened a couple of times. She listens more than you do. Yeah. Well, everybody listens more than I do. She um, tells you how the shows are going. Yeah. She gives me advice, actually, on how the shows, how she thinks and the show should go. then you pass it along to me. I do. And I take her advice because she is outside the sports where she doesn't care about sports at all. Right. Um, so when she says something is entertaining, I, I kind of hang my hat on that because, you know, we're trying to draw in. It's not hardcore sports people. I mean, we're, again, we're not going to we're not going to break down the upside of the down in or whatever the hell they do on a show where you know, what they actually do. That's what the, by, every show by the actually numbers, does. by the numbers. Yes, they break down the, the up down in. I don't know what you just said, but that's exactly they break down the upside of the down in. Our next, our next, next segment, breaking down the <laughs> upside of the down end. 
side of the down in. Coming up to you with Stephen A. Smith, who will yell at you for no apparent reason. Just for God's sake, there's a volume button on the microphone, Steve. Calm down. All right. Uh, any more about the match? I just thought it was very compelling, very entertaining. They 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 came up with like twelve million dollars for, or more than that. I mean, it was a lot of money. Uh, there was a lot of fun with other athletes tweeting in during the show and people throwing out side bets. At one point. Um, uh, Charles Barkley said he'd give $50,000 out of his own pocket if Brady could just hit the green. And Brady, of course, drove it into the Palmettos at that point. So, I mean, it, it was really a fun event. No, that I, was a great event, uh, a great cause as well. It was the perfect Coco Roro live sporting event. Coco Roro? That's what the kids call it now. Never well, heard no. of that. I must not be a kid. I'm around, I'm around a lot of the millennials these days. I, I won't do the show anymore. <laughs> I, have, I honestly have never. You are so appalled. I have that. never been more offended <laughs> in my entire life than I am right now. I understand that, Johnny. That's why I said we were it. Skating along. Things were sure. fun. And then hey, the Coco Roro. I'm, Coco I'm sorry. Roo. What? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what that's what the hip kids. Is that what they're call calling it? it? They're calling it the Coco Roro. Yeah, you know because and, and they, these are the New York millennials. COVID the New Co- York millennials. Corona, okay, it's it, I don't know. It's it's pretty neat. You got to be honest. Well, I, I get it. You know, okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're identifying me properly as a baby boomer. Uh, yeah, so much debate over that when it's it comes iffy. to. Because I'm it's a 64 iffy. guy. I'm, I'm 64, which is the final year of the baby boom. And anytime I throw that out there, people just dispute it. And uh, man, because I'm part of the baby boom. There's a lot of scientific evidence that, that can dispute it. And, and you're really a cusp no at scientific best. Evidence at all. You're a cusp at best. You're a Jones at best, which is what the cusp is between baby boomers and Gen X. I'm a Jones. Yeah, that, and as am I, depending on where you think the 60, baby boomer and Gen X start i mean yeah you're 60 that's a solid baby boomer i would think so but i don't you know uh, according to a lot of research and a lot of scientists john let's I mean, go to the I'm research just, i'm just quoting science right here brother <laughs> uh, all right well scientifically it is uh it is time for us to do another progressive trivia wait uh, it is yeah we just talked about the match right look at the rundown open progressive but, but we did the progressive, and then we sort of went back to the match a little bit. I thought we had another. I thought we had another uh, topic Mark, before we went. Fine. Mark, it's the holiday. Hold on. Let me have a. Let me, let me have a little bourbon. While, while you're doing that, Mark, let me say this. As I've learned during this pandemic, for every scientist that says that it's time for progressive trivia, there's at least one science that says it's not time for progressive trivia. Outstanding analysis. Going to step in as a liberal left wing commie pinko freedom hater for every. One scientist that says it's a good idea to wear a mask and to social distance. There's one one billionth of a scientist that says no. I'm just saying the numbers are not one for one. Stop pushing your Breitbart stuff on our show, pal. It's not <laughs> one for one. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Mark, you don't want to do another. You don't want to give people more clues. All right. I'm, that's how you feel on the, no, the Memorial Day that you hate. I am ready. <laughs> I am ready. I don't hate Memorial Day. I just hate the tasks I'm expected to do on Memorial Day. That's and I wrote, and I just full disclosure here, I wrote things down out of order because that's, you know, again, it's a holiday. And I'm, right. I'm, I'll admit it, I'm a couple of pops in. 
Sure. I mean, it's the holiday. You're we're all, a couple we're all pops having in. a little. We're all having a little uh, Memorial Day drink during the show. We generally don't do that, and by generally, I mean every now and again we don't do that. Uh, so you know. <laughs> Uh, I'm a little off, so we don't have to give more. Let's not give them now. Okay, I have them. You know, I have them. Where I, I know you do, and I'm trying to, uh, and I'm in my head trying to think of one. And this, this is a good one. This is this is a good one. Let's move on to our next topic. Best moments in any sport. You threw this out to me, Mark, uh, today, uh, this morning when we were tr- trying to come up with co- topics, and we wanted to keep it kind of uh, kind of loose for a holiday show. But I loved this. Yeah, as you do. Best moments in any sport. Um, and I'm just going to throw one out there right now because I was trying to think of – I know what I believe the best moment in Major League Baseball to be. And I think you and I are going to have the same best moment in, in, Major, in Major League Baseball. Good. But in the NFL, yeah. my, my guess would be when the owners voted for the merger would be the most – would be the best with the AFL-NFL merger. Because I think that took I, – I think that injected steroids into professional football like no other single event ever injected steroids into any sport ever. Now, John, we talked about being erudite early, earlier in the show. Yep. And that's a very erudite answer. It's very thought through. It's very scholarly. It's very historically based. It's uh, – it shows off John Pelkey's knowledge of both the history of the NFL and the socioeconomic impacts I'm something. Of, of the sport therein. Yeah, John is something. Again, John, <laughs> folks, you have to realize this, that John's wool that he has <laughs> thrown over people's eyes is almost as, you know, it ha- has been as effective, if not more so, than yeah. mine. I agree. And I want to say this to people when I, you know, when we go over and I spend a lot of time talking about your faults and and, and where you come up short. This, again, is just a ploy of mine, because if we start delving into mine, it's going to be worse. And even Ah. though I am the sheep in wolf's clothing and Mark is the wolf in sheep's clothing, there's a lot more to hate about me. Ah, we'll see. I mean, you know, we'll leave that to history. <laughs> we'll leave that to Riley Claremont, who will who will survive us all yeah, because he yeah. can tell he can spin the greatest yarn. Would you agree that he I can agree. spin the greatest yarn? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why we can't have him on the show too often. We had him on the show once and people were clamoring to have him back. That's the one way you're not gonna get him back, people. Because <laughs> I can't and there's I can't I no, no. No, 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 no. We need we need to have him back. We need to have others back. We're working on uh, other other guests that uh, friends of ours are suggesting. So, you know, the future is bright for after further review. Of course, that's the death now. Whenever you say something like that, it's like it's done. Ought to be this. Ought to be the final show. But uh, the final show. Uh, so, Folks, uh, are you, you're taking issue with my that the merger was the was the most. All, yeah. Biggest. See, you, you already know that that whole entire setup that was that was giving you all kinds of credit was actually designed to undercut the entire thing. You know me too well. I was assuming it was something on the field that we were going to talk to because I would agree with you that in terms of the game, you're probably right. I think I can find one of those, too. I can find one of those, too. I just thought immediately and maybe it's because through this, I've spent a lot of time watching old NFL films and going back and watching America's game. They they had an America's game uh, uh, marathon yesterday, and I actually watched for the first time the 84 49ers. Which I or I may have seen at some point in time, but uh, so that probably plays into it. But I can I can play uh, it within those rules as well. But I just think that is, and it struck me because as I thought more about it, I, I think it may have been the single most seismic event in any sport 
um, maybe edging out because it, 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 because of the short period of time that it changed the sport, edging out what both you and I are going to have as our major league baseball moment. Well, I think that, uh, I think it's a great moment. Now, I think it's a great moment in the sport, but if you were to relegate it just to the actual field of play, yeah. Oh, uh, what would you say your greatest NFL moment is? Because I think this one's up for probably a lot more debate than maybe other sports are. are. There were the one that first came to mind. Uh, I will tell you in a moment because I, I first it just struck me initially, and if I went with my first uh, moment, I would say the catch, and that's because it it, it ushered in an era where. We had gone through a period where, you know, Green Bay into um, Miami, into Pittsburgh, um, the Vikings. These were the teams that seemingly were always involved. Obviously, the Cowboys. With the postseason and, and the Cowboys. Right. Uh, and I was getting to that because it, it then ushered in an era where it was a lot of different teams, where those teams were kind of pushed off to the side. And you went through that period in the 80s where it was, you know, essentially the 49ers, the Redskins and the Giants. But um, it, and then into to Buffalo. So it, it, it was kind of a de- line of demarcation between what was the 70s, 60s, 70s into what it became into the 80s and the 90s. But I still think that the most important moment was probably the 68 Jets. Well, but what's the moment, though? Is it the moment the clock struck zero in that Super Bowl game? Or or what was the moment? See, I would agree with you with the catch. That was what I would go to, and obviously I'm biased. But at the same point, you're right. It was the end of an entire era and the beginning of a brand new era. Yeah. And really the beginning of an era that we're still in because the West Coast offense inaugurated the kind of offensive-centric NFL that we have now. And it just, it, you know... 25 whatever how many years later it got injected with steroids with all all the rpos and everything else but yeah rule changes as well helped uh, exactly yeah uh but the the one that would be in second place for me and you could argue that would be in first would be the immaculate reception because here's a team that was relegated to if you're thinking in baseball terms the second division and just this afterthought right and all of a sudden it's eschewing the dolphins it's eschewing the raiders it's eschewing the vikings it's eschewing the uh the cowboys all of all of the traditional nfl teams now they were uh, they were an nfl franchise not afl but that inaugurated the whole thing but i would argue that one is sorted blind luck and the other was designed genius and it also needs to be pointed out that the immaculate reception was in 1972 and the steelers went on the next week to lose to the miami dolphins in the afc championship they did in pittsburgh two years before they actually got to the super bowl they didn't get there until 74 but i Um, think it gave them a boost well it it gave it gave america an introduction to what was going to become the most important team of the 70s i would agree with that yeah i think that's right up there there is there is a level of luck to that but there's also a level if you look at that play and uh, again thank you for playing into my hands this is unlike my audition for the espn club because i watched and the america's games which i absolutely recommend i watched the 1974 uh, pittsburgh steelers one was one of them that uh, that uh, is just terrific and um it uh 
if you if you break that play down because they talked a little bit about it, it, it Franco Harris was in the right place at the right time and it's because he did the right thing is that was a team that was very very well coached and he knew when a play broke down you try to get yourself to an open peer place in the field where the quarterback can get the ball to you his uh, assignment on that was simply to stay in and block and I think he missed his block as a matter of fact um, and if you look at that, it's very if you look at Eli Manning's play in the Super Bowl and Terry Bradshaw's play in that. Yeah. Both of those guys don't get the credit for their end of it. Yeah. As much as they should, because they right. bought Terry Bradshaw brought a ton of time against that Raider defense, which was phenomenal. And it was all over him. And Eli did the same thing. Uh, and in I would say 50 percent of NFL games I've watched, Eli might have gotten a whistle at that point. Uh, for in the grasp. And oh, yeah. Credit goes to the officiating crew for not doing that. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's a good one as well. If you if you have to break it down to that moment on the field, I think, though, if you're going to break it down to moments on the field, um, Mo Lewis knocking out uh, Drew Bledsoe for the remainder of the 2001 season, or at least till the playoffs, that's a pretty freaking huge moment. I know, but again, I'm talking about moments that everyone understands is a moment at the time. The Hail Mary. I, mean? I know. Well, I mean, I think that's implied, isn't it implied? I don't think it's implied. I, I really don't. It's like it wasn't implied to me. If it's you, if like you, Kirk Gibson, you know, with the home run. It, that's yeah. clearly a great World Series moment. David Tyree with the aforementioned Eli Manning escaping three potential sack in the grasp calls. At least three. (laughs) Yeah. Is is a moment. You know, Michael Jordan hitting that last shot against the Jazz in 1998. Sure. Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron with 715 is great. Flutie's Hail Mary. No doubt about it. In terms of the sport itself, I think the moment has to be something that not only was uh, something you look back on as hugely influential and and a massive turning point in this, that, or the other, whatever argument you're trying to make, which is what you're making with the uh, with the Drew Bledsoe injury. All right, so let me let me let me get this straight. Everything I've given so far, you've done everything you can to narrow it down. I gave you the vote on the, the merger, and you're like, well, it has to be on the field. I gave you the 68 Well, it has to be a play. I gave you Brady being hurt. Well, no, no, no. It has to be a play that we realized in the moment. I mean, honest to God, Mark, with the next one I give you, you're going to go, no, no, no. It has to involve this team. I mean, uh, that's what it's become. You have just literally done everything you can to minimize every single guess that I have. So please do me a favor. Enlighten me and tell me what you believe them to be, because I've lost track of where I have to set the ball. I think most listeners will agree with me that it's all right pretty, i want listeners to chime in because i don't think Holly knocks down frazier yeah exactly that it's pretty obvious that it has to be on the field number one it has to be a moment everyone recognizes as special in the moment they have to recognize it yes yes of course and what do you mean, of course, we literally gave you said, the hey, greatest moments, for any moments sport. in sports history, the greatest moments in sports history. All the right. catch is a perfect example. What we're going to say about Major League Baseball is a perfect example. What I just said about Jordan is a perfect example. Or we could say something about, you know, but it's like, yes, in terms of events or things that happened that were more influential to the sport. Yes, the Jets winning Super Bowl three 
is more influential than maybe anything else. The merger is right up there as well. The fact that Tom Brady got a chance to start as a result, we can then forecast and see that that was a huge event at the time. So but you want it to be a play on the I field so we can see it. obvious, John, then I'm not necessarily trying to minimize it. I'm trying to put it in the per- put it in the uh I don't know, the place that I think it deserves to be, which is a great moment in sports history. Am I wrong? You, you think I'm wrong? Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. I, 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 I think I have to lean towards Pelkey on this one. And again, I think you're wrong simply Real. because yeah. we, didn't set, we didn't set parameters when we did this. We talked about most uh, um, biggest moment. It, that, in fact, I could go back and I, I, I should take a picture of the text that you sent me and put it on the after further review site. You said biggest moment for each sport. But but also the 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 caveat you're putting on, I understand why you're trying to narrow it down. But Brady uh, uh, Bledsoe being knocked out of that uh, of that playoff game is a huge moment in sports. No, no, not. See, he's not talking about the playoff game. He's talking about game three. No, I'm talking of, about yeah, no the playoff was... game. I remember watching it. No, no he's it was, talking it about game game, game three, three oh. of, the, of the 2001 season. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was game three of the 2001 season. Yeah. Bledsoe actually Brady got knocked out of playoff game, and Bledsoe came back and played well against. Yeah. I think right, Pittsburgh. right, right, right. You're right. I have. He's a talking here. about a playoff game against the. Je- I mean, he's talking about a regular season game early in September. But against its the impact. Jets. I'm talking about what the impact of it in and of itself was. I understand that, and I and I yeah, I will say this is just a miscommunication. To me, it's like. No, it's great. It's great for the podcast. You're you're saying you're saying well, the thing is, though, that the inevitability of Brady may not have been there. You know, if Bledsoe continues to perform for another couple seasons, Brady sits behind him. That cocksureness that he has kind of starts to dissipate. Maybe Brady becomes a guy who is just a mediocre quarterback. Yeah. And how long I agree with that. I stay there wholeheartedly. But I guess in my mind. The best moment has to be something that happens on the field that's significant, like in like well, in major league baseball. When you, it's interesting that when you when you narrow that down, you narrow it down to literally the catch, or the immaculate reception, or Bobby Thompson's home run. Well, we're staying in we're just staying in football right now because we hadn't moved on to baseball yet. Well, I I mean at the moment those would be the two. I mean the catch would be be the one because of it not only was an amazing moment at the time that everyone recognized, but what it then portended and what it ended at the same time, to your point earlier, I think. So you have everything in terms of the sociological and economic impacts of the game itself, and you have an amazing moment in a football game. I don't know. I think that's an obvious thing. No, I don't think it's obvious. Would the Music City Miracle count? It, it could, but what did it... The rippled effects were not there. I mean, it led to the Tennessee Titans getting to the Super Bowl. But then they lost. It was a great play. It's certainly it, one of the greatest plays in it. And it was history. one of the greatest plays of all time that would be a top 10 probably postseason play, no doubt. But I don't know. It potentially could have led to that never happening again. <laughs> Everybody's <it's just> me, <laughs> evidently, being uh, a little too in my head. And not being aware of what throwing that topic out meant for people. And I'm not I want to hear people's meaning anything you're saying, John Pelkey. I want to hear people's take on it because I know I think I know what you're going to say. The baseball one is it's not going to be Bobby Thompson's home run. No, I think it is. 
It's not going to be Jackie Robinson walking out on that moment field. in baseball history. So it was a moment. So another, a different National League team could go to the to go to the World Series to lose to the Yankees. They did lose to the Yankees, but it was after a season where they were thirteen and a half games out of first place. And okay. This, and this is how they get to the finals. Uh, uh, to the that finals. was that was. <laughs> to the World Series. Yeah. And they were down four to one in the bottom of the ninth inning. And oh, by the way, they stole the signs, which we found out later, admittedly, allegedly. No, admittedly. Google it. I've Googled it, and it's still alleged. Mm-hmm. And it also anything, anything includes it includes the Russ Hodges call, which great call, no doubt about it. The Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. And to me. The story of that 51 Giants team and how they won is, you know, greater than Kirk Gibson because that was just game one. Right. And the A's greater than Joe Carter because who really cared about Toronto? Provincial. Greater than Bill Mazeroski because it was just the Pirates. Right. Man, you're such an elitist. Honestly, you greater than. I mean, come on, John. And it's the Giants. So basically what you're saying, so you have boiled all of this. You have taken all the time to boil yes. this down yes. so you could say the yes. greatest moment in NFL was a 49er moment. The greatest yes. moment in, in, in baseball was a Giants moment. Thank you. Thank you. Did it take you that long? It did. My it gosh. did, actually. It did, actually. I, I got the 49er one, but I kept thinking the Giants, but it's, they're New York, but it's the Same. Giants. That's okay, why. I would argue the greatest That's moment. That's why I've been successful for 60 years, John, because would, it takes would, so long for people to figure me out. Good point. I would argue that the greatest moment in baseball history happened in April of 1947 when Jackie Robinson stepped on the field as the first African-American player in history. And that's a great one as well. I, and everybody knew at that moment that it was a it was a I, huge change. And to me, that's a huge argument. To no, the I would argue that's I, the greatest I, moment in American sport. And you know what? I would probably... I think that's a great one because and that, I would probably not disagree with any of that. That completely changed Major League Baseball, everything, everything because Robinson it, it just, you know, for the fact that that was happening. And then all, now all of a sudden, every Major League Baseball team has to start paying attention to African-American players. And it really changed the balance. Uh, yeah. Though it really didn't actually change the balance that much of baseball. When, when you think about it in a minute, I mean, the Yankees still dominated throughout that period of time and uh and it was a couple of years i believe before they brought their first african-american player in but yeah that's uh eight, I, I think by that's the way it took them eight took the yankees eight took and it eight. took the red sox 12 red sox were the last team actually yeah to do. it took them they were 59 and the they could have had willie mays yankees were 55 with elston howard oh yeah a lot of people could have had willie mays i'm reading a biography that my mom sent me via amazon right now about willie mays and that's what got me on this whole thing but you're right not only did jackie robinson change all sports but he led the way for the elimination of Jim Crow in the 1960s where, uh, you know, senators like Rand Paul think shouldn't have happened. He literally <laughs> is against the Civil Rights Act. Yeah, of course he is. I mean, what? You know, doesn't he strike you? Doesn't he strike you? He's one of those guys. There's those people who realize, you know, understanding um, the idea that no publicity is bad publicity. There are those guys who literally understand that if you say something controversial— that it gets you publicity. And in this era where we are so polarized and, and going to our corners, it doesn't matter 
whether you believe it or not, if you can get the right amount of publicity, you get 30 percent of people to believe what you're saying to get behind you, you succeed. So That's I don't a great believe point, John. That's why he's a twice elected senator, right, because exactly. he knows he understands that he understands that. And, and what, there's, and you know, I'm honored to. I mean, we have politicians. I, it's just, it just bugs me that half the politicians say, well, the Democrats were trying to stop right. the Civil Rights Act, which was true. It's stopping a holiday show right now. No, no, no. It, it, it is a memorial. This day. is actually it, the most memorial day Come we on. could possibly get, I believe. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I would argue. Do you not talk politics during cookouts? No, John? of course. We talk about politics anytime we want. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I get what you say about the Bobby Thompson um, thing. I. I think maybe sometimes that is over. I think that's a moment in sports history that gets too much credit. This this was before my time, and I just went and read that article that I sent you two guys. Yes. That makes the history Astros look like they uh, barely cheated at all. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's uh, we and and I've done a bad job putting those articles, but I'm going to put those start putting those articles up on the uh, after further review website because the, there's it's a it's a first of all it's a good I've seen it before and it's a good read yeah and it will it will get into the fact that uh, the, several of the giants have wink and nod towards yeah you know and again baseball that they develop of the 90 year old giants the, 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 no it, the, whole, the whole the whole the whole plan the whole plan is in here admitted by multiple people Yes, exactly. <laughs> admitted by multiple people in their nineties. No, no, okay. no, no, no. This came the, it, it came out when they were in their seventies, <laughs> so Mark, it came out almost you, fifty years after it happened. It's essentially no, Mark. This thing. came out in twenty twenty. This article you sent came out. In no, 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 no. I know the article but the, did, but the the admitting of it. If you read the first uh, couple paragraphs, you'll see that it came out in. Uh, oh man, where's this? It it said it somewhere in there. Anyway. The the uh, electrician admitted to it. The Rocher admitted to it. The guy that owned the telescope admitted to it. And it was pretty Do elaborate. Your Do your homework, folks, on this one. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get back into this one because I think that's a moment that's over um, thin. It's a thin story. In Mark's defense, in Mark's defense, it does thin, say that Jeff. both both teams were were utilizing a person in center field to steal signs. You'd but be at, you'd only be one. At yeah. Only yeah, one maybe. had an electrical electrical cord going back to the dugout where it was beeping the they signs of the had guys. electricity in New York City in 1951. <laughs> I believe it was there was electrification in New York City prior to 1851. Exactly. All right, now Mark, let me ask you this question then, because yes, you know, now you've narrowed it down to the fact that the greatest moments in sports have to actually be the greatest moments on the field involving a team that Mark likes. That's actually where the bar is set. No. So I'm, I'm, nope. I'm definitely I, looking I said for Michael Jordan in the NBA. Sharks. I'm definitely looking for a San Jose Sharks or nope. California Golden Seals moment. I don't like them. Uh, I said Michael Jordan in the NBA. So come on now. Um, all right. Well, let me ask you. Let's stay with baseball for just a moment. I know we're well over time, and who gives a crap? It's the most. Gives a flying rat's ass. I just, I just need somebody to pour me another bourbon at this point. Um, yeah. Uh, because baseball, for me, there were a couple more uh, that popped up as uh, important moments in baseball. Okay. Because I thought of the, the Babe Ruth trade um, to New York for, sure. for a couple of reasons. You had yeah, a guy a who one. probably, had he stayed in, in uh, Boston, wouldn't have had the statistics he did because they probably would have kept him on the mound. 
for one thing, is yep. that they, they needed him as a pitcher. One of the things about New York, once he got there, is they had a pretty solid pitching staff. They didn't need him, even though he was the, probably the best left-handed pitcher in the American League at that point in time. And again, think about that, folks. The greatest power hitter, prob- maybe of all time, this side of Barry Bonds. Um, and boy, now I've opened up that can of worms. And the greatest Amer- left-handed pitcher in the American League at that point in time, I thought that was uh, that was a very very important uh, moment. Obviously, the very first playing of the World Series because the American League and the National League played completely separately. The the World Series came into play uh, be- almost as an exhibition because they looked at it as. This will be real. Not this determines who the greatest team is, but more that this will be a very profitable thing to do in a fast growing sport. Follow the money, Johnny. Yeah, absolutely. At any time in American history. Uh, the other ones would be uh, the impl- uh, the implementing of the designated hitter in Major yep. League Baseball. Yep. That is a huge moment. And we talked about this before, that it, it may become the rule in all of uh, Major League Baseball. Um. And so I think that is certainly up there among the great moments in baseball. Uh, Jumping to basketball for a minute. um, For me, and I I don't know, Jeff, you're a little younger than me, but Magic and Bird was the moment. Because to have the two best players in college basketball in a period of time by 1979 when college basketball, the elevation of college basketball in the consciousness was way up there. That was the very first, I think, national championship game that was televised in real time. And then to have them to move to the two bell cow franchises in the sport, you know, because if you think about it, if Larry Bird had gone to the Milwaukee Bucks and Magic or Johnson the, had gone to the Phoenix Suns. Or the Indiana Pacers, who passed on yeah. him, who chose someone else before Larry Bird. Right. Had had those things happened. So for me, in, in the NBA, that was really, and again, I'm not telling a story that anybody doesn't think, and I know Mark's going to argue the, uh, the Michael Jordan uh, thing, but that, for me, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird in the NBA, the two most compelling players in college basketball who played in the national championship game and then went to the Celtics and Lakers respectively. And I know, Mark, you ducked out for a moment there uh, and didn't hear it. But I said, you know, had Larry Bird gone to the Milwaukee Bucks and Magic Johnson gone to uh, the Phoenix Suns, it's not the same impact. Yeah. No, it's on the game. So that's an off the court moment in the game. You think the biggest moment in the game on the court was uh, Jordan? Well, I mean, I could probably It's hard in the NBA. It is hard in the NBA, but that is a last second shot from a last second guy who has established that as his as one of his many brands of excellence and greatness from his days at North Carolina last second guy and it's this year that we all know is ending the this run the second consecutive three-peat and he does he does it on a steal and uh, uh, against a hall of against a hall of famer 
It's certainly the signature play for a, a career of full of signature plays in and, my mind. And, Although, and just for that entire decade, I would say, in terms of this particular team, all, I don't know if there's a moment in the Lakers-Celtics run in the 80s. We talked about that every single finals involved both of them. The 70s was a lot more checkered, if you will, for the NBA in terms mm-hmm. of a lot more teams in there. I'm not sure there was a signature moment there. In the 60s, people are too. I would say it, the signature moment in the 70s is Willis Reed. And I would throw that out there with Bobby Thompson as okay. a, very, a very cool That's a good signature one. moment. But I don't know that it had ripple effects that, throughout that's the That's a sport. good one. That's a very good one. You know, it's an outstanding. Before the oh, last yeah. before the last dance, I the I struggled to remember this, and I watched that series that shot against Utah. Before that, the the Elo shot for Jordan was the one I always remembered. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point, and, and that's a good one to remember as well. But then all of a sudden, here's this one that ends the entire thing. I don't know. Just in terms of the drama, in terms of the actual moment that it happens in. In terms of the story that it tells, all those were those were my bars. Those were my criteria, John Pelkey. And it has to take place. It has to be a team that you follow. That's hey, the other. You know, just throw that out. I did like the Bulls. I did like Michael Jordan at Niners moment. <laughs> to, I'm honest to Christ, I really? can't help it if it, if Bobby Thompson's a giant and and Dwight Clark's a 49er. I can't help that. For for uh, for two reasons. One, because I was considering this, and and I feel like I want to say, and two, it's going to annoy John. After watching the Last Dance, I was thinking the other night, and I was like, you know, I I'm starting to lean towards LeBron James as being the greatest of all time, and the reason why I'm doing it is because I really was reminded of how if Michael Jordan hadn't been so petty, he would have had at least two more years of greatness and probably three or four more years of greatness. Cause if they go on winning championships, those one year deals continue to get handed out. That's because you minimize Phil Jackson because you're saying his pettiness was because he wasn't going to play for, no, they offered Phil, Phil the, they offered Phil the money too. And, 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 uh, and Jordan and Phil, I think both kind of, decided together, meh, I'm good. Phil Phil took the high road and said that he didn't want to offend Jerry Krause, but you know phone calls were happening between all those guys. They were discussing it. And Michael Jordan was was being fussy about the media, who were terrible to him, I will admit. But he was being fussy about them when he left for his two years. He didn't want to be in the spotlight anymore. And he goes and plays baseball, and then bam, he's back in the spotlight. He has the opportunity to stay in Chicago. Granted, maybe it would have been a rebound, but instead... He, but him leaving altogether, why doesn't he just go to L.A. and play with Phil? Then you got Shaq, well, Kobe, and Michael. Well, that's a year later, you know, so it's not right away because Phil waited a year before he went to L.A. But, yeah, I mean, it, I don't think Michael was being petty if you're saying he wouldn't play for Phil because I think that was Phil Jackson and his independent decision with Jerry Krause and with management at with the Bulls. But if you're implying that it was really that they all knew what was going on and they all decided this. Jerry Krause Krause was an asshole. Jerry Krause was an asshole and he should have kept his mouth shut and he should have understood that he got lucky with basketball. He got Michael Jordan. He made a great decision bringing in Phil Jackson, getting rid of Rod Thorne. 
or no, Rod yeah. was out. No, there wasn't Doug, Doug Collins. Doug, Doug Collins, Collins. Yeah. and and so and and trading for Scotty Pippen made made some Tony Kukoc. I mean, he did a number of good things, but he made the he made the cardinal mistake of thinking that he was more important than the guys right. on the court, right. right? And that it was you know I can be that, and we shall see from the New England Patriots this year. We're going to see whether it's the guys on the field or the guys who put the pe- people on the field who are important. Because I think that's that's going to be the ongoing story in the National Football League is who's going to win a championship or who's going to be closest to win a championship, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. They're Tom not going to make the playoffs this year. I will guarantee it. Now, granted, Tom, the last time I guaranteed anything with the Patriots was in 01, and I said they would be the worst team in football. They're going to win it all and putting everything on it. Put I'll it all say, on the Patriots. I'll thing. say this. The fact, the fact that Tampa Bay kept uh, Hooper and have Gronkowski – I think they are a favorite to win the Super Bowl this year, and They're I hate in, that. But you can't can't buy a championship. Right? I just don't. I just don't think. I just don't think uh, New England has anything they need. Remember when Matt Castle took over for Tom Brady, won eleven games. Everyone says it's a system thing. Well, they had won eighteen the year before. People, right? Yeah. So it was seven games less. So that means I went five this year. If we go, by the same. way, Mark, I'm going to call you out. You're watching Kyle Hurd too this afternoon because I was watching Kyle Hurd before we came on. I I wasn't actually believe it. Oh, because they were talking about that. And they were showing his statistically, and Matt Castle actually, uh, his he was like uh, I think Brady had completed 68 percent of passes, and Castle was about 63. So that, I mean he he certainly had some success, but to, but everybody uses that argument why it's Belichick Always. and not Brady, and it's not really a valid argument because again this the the sample size is one season versus you know, multiple seasons. I think I, I would agree with you on this, Mark. I think Tampa Bay has a better chance of going further in the playoffs than the New England Patriots. I won't go so far as to say that I don't think New England's going to get there because I look around and I think Miami's that really sexy pick that's probably going to underperform what everybody thinks, even though I think that's a team that's building and getting better. And I think we're going to look two years from now and see them. Uh, the Jets, it's just, you know, they're they're already in a in, in an issue with their best player. Uh, whether or not they want to keep their best player around. Buffalo is the more interesting team because they've kind of had the slow build. They've been a good team for a couple of years. They're the most likely in my mind. And I think, again, New England's all in. We'll see if that all in works. Not going to bring a guy in because I just don't necessarily. I think they could be a playoff team, certainly. I guarantee they won't be. An incredibly difficult division, Tampa I guarantee they won't be. You don't think Joe Flacco is going to take the Jets all the way? He's not even going to start. That's he's true. not going to start. No, 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 no. Sam Darnold's going to start. He's a good backup, though. I think signing him is a really yeah, good. Yeah, I think move. it's wise. I like, I like the Jets. I think the Jets will be improved. I think the Bills are going to win the division. And I think, uh, to your point, John, you know, you've got the West, you've got the North now because you've got the Steelers, you've got the Ravens. The West is going to be very competitive and interesting. And you know, the South. Yeah, Houston's probably gone back. Indianapolis, Tennessee, we'll see. I don't think I don't think more than one team gets out of the East in the playoffs personally. Yeah. And I think that's going to be Buffalo. All right, fair enough. All right, we're we are well beyond where we need to be at this point. We're, in time. we're we're so far beyond, John. It doesn't matter. It's the holiday show. Uh, we want to get on to our next set of progressive trivia clues because uh, you, you got me. I had one guess and I haven't been able to guess beyond that. I haven't gotten any guesses from Jeff. One guess from you. Cy Young Award winner. This guy won a Cy Young. People. <laughs> He led the league over the course of his career in wins, complete games, strikeouts, inning pitched, and shutouts. I mean, that's outside of ERA. Those are basically all the important. I just guessed. 
It is not Dave Stewart. He has a, you know, so, so those are a lot of categories that he led the league in at one right. point. You've stayed away from era, which is worrying me. I, I have it coming up. Under 2-0 postseason ERA, over 16 innings pitched, 160-plus wins. Six teams played in both leagues. Six consecutive All-Star appearances. So he had a run where he was great. One striking out five consecutive AL batters, which I think is a great clue. It's not David Cohn. <laughs> pitched a no-hitter, not a no-no. I'm so sorry I wrote that. He was a rookie of the year. He's a southpaw, Johnny. He's a lefty. He had over 100 complete games. All right, that's the that? era thing. That's the it, era thing. It helps with the era. 15-plus seasons. This is probably going to be the giveaway. You guys ready for the giveaway? Yeah. He was not a U.S. citizen during his Major League Baseball career. All right. Okay. How about that one? Come on now. Yeah, you got it, John. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Jeff. Jeff got it. So did John. I'm sure. Yeah. I, was, I hadn't <laughs> typed it in yet, but that, that was the giveaway. That's a good one. That's yeah. a boy. I remember that well as my senior year in high school. Yeah. So that'll give people an idea. 1830. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a uh, hundred complete games in that era, John. It's not that long ago. Isn't that interesting? It is. Yeah. It's 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 forever ago when it comes to major league pitching. Forever you're right. ago. No, you're you're absolutely right. It is not in the period of time because you're you're talking. And I'll just give this little extra clue to people. You're talking thirty plus years ago, essentially approaching forty years ago. Um, but it might as well be 100 years ago when it comes to complete game pitchers. In, I mean, ter- in, in terms of specialty. Uh, who led the who led made the majors in complete games last year? That's probably something I sh- we could have looked up ahead of time. And, and they probably had three. They probably yeah. had three. It, and boy, if they had three, that'd be pretty damn it, impressive. It, it seems to be the only time you get to go a complete game these days is if you are in line for a no-hitter or a shutout. Yep, agreed. Agreed. And even then, we've seen that. We've seen guys pulled with no hitters and stuff because, you know, and, and rightfully so, managers looking big picture. So those games, those complete games almost have to be in useless games. Is it time Is it time to raise the mound back up? Oh, well, that's really good. No, there were there were question. very few elbow injuries when the mound was higher. Granted, there was one guy that dominated everybody when the mound was higher, so they lowered it. But I think it might be time to raise it back up. It's a good. That's a I, really I, good. I would only say to John's point earlier about the DH, what in our last episode, is that the fan, the consumer, Jeff, the person that you are, that you've admitted to earlier in the show, <laughs> is that you want offense, not you, but. The consumer out there wants offense. They don't want. Do they? Do but they also want more pitching duels? I think that that uh, you would be able to crush the ball f- from a better angle if the if the uh, if the mound was raised back well, up. When frankly, Bob Gibson had a one point one two ERA in nineteen sixty eight, and guys like Juan Marichal had a two point oh five ERA with twenty five wins, couldn't win the Cy Young. Yeah. They realized that pitching 
was too dominant. They needed it. And so that that's why they lowered the mound to increase well, they, offense. They did that at that point in time. But I think the reason why you're not going to do it now is because what it comes down to is the vast majority of people, we've talked about this before, watch their baseball, not in full games. They watch highlights. They like to go to highlight show. I think the whip around on Major League Baseball television is how I watch a lot of my regular season baseball. And I think it's much easier to highlight a few home runs and a couple of and, and that sort of thing than it is a great pitching duel. That requires a lot more. You can highlight a couple of big home runs in a game in 45 seconds worth of highlights. A pitching duel is going to take you a couple of minutes. And I just think in today's short attention span, highlight driven era for baseball, particularly, you probably no one's going to want to go back to. I want it the higher bound in pitching. I want it so bad just so Me the too. injuries will go away. I want those guys to stop hurting their arms. Yeah, that's a that's a really, really great point. But uh, again, the specialization to your point, Mark, uh, when you're talking about the designated hitter, the specialization also leads to more players on a roster and owners agreeing to a larger roster, which benefits the players. And the union is the strongest thing. And I get that. In all of American society. And I have no Major League Baseball Union is the strongest thing in all of American society. It may very well be. But I and I'm in favor of that because I think more guys playing. I, I, I'm certainly I'm always the, I'm always on the labor side of things that way. And I think, you know, if you had guys, you know, if you had guys averaging 10 or 11 complete games then you're going to have fewer short relievers. And I have always argued that the greatest job in the history of mankind the greatest, maybe the greatest thing man ever came up with was the left-handed short reliever. Because well, I've it, told, yeah, I've, it, it, I, there's a lot of babies in my life these days, John, with my sisters, uh, having grandkids, with uh, friends of mine, uh, their kids having kids, with my uh, my kids, their peers having kids. There's a lot of babies in my life these days. And there's one video I got about a month ago from Trudy's sister's uh, son's kid, grandkid. Mm -hmm. He's throwing a bunch of rocks. He's barely one. He's throwing a bunch of rocks, right? Then he's, and he's a righty. And then all of a sudden... His right arm to his his right side. I've told her that. I've told her, and I've told her son this. Just tie tie him up. Duck, take the arm. Then he grabs a couple of rocks with his left hand, and he yanks him, and 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 he grooves him. And I'm thinking, dude, come on. There it is. He's won. Now is the time. He'll yeah. never know that he was in pain well, for the next six, seven months when his arm couldn't be used. And Mark, you and I are old enough. You and I are old enough to remember, because I know it, it happened to people that I know, that when a kid would write left-handed, they'd make they'd force him to write right-handed. I think they because, would spank him in front of the class if I wasn't mistaken. They would, yes. That yes, was my era, though, John. I'm a little older. Exactly. Older. When you're Catholic, did you go to Catholic school? They just beat you. They beat you senseless. Uh, well, all right, today, hi, everybody. Before we get to history, it's the daily beating. You know, God, how angry were nuns? For the love of God, oh, man. Honestly, were, let it go. Have sex. Let it go. I know. I was going to say, you get the bottom of shake. it. She would shake the kids. She yeah. would shake her first grade, and I would watch. I would watch her shake. Her name was Sister Brenda, right. and she would shake these kids. She would just grab them by the shoulders and just go shake them. And like, my life I, sucks. I want yours to suck too. I mean, I live that a hellscape. Been, live that, a hellscape, 
Stop that may have been what she was saying in Latin at the time. I couldn't tell. And I thought, my goodness. And then one time it came to me and she said, red, it's red. I said, is that meaning red that I've read it or is it red the color? No, red. You, you can imagine, John, at, at six years old, I'm still asking, I'm asking yeah, questions. questions. Hey, hold on. Let me break this down. I need to know a little more. Before, before I can answer your question, I need to know a little more. That's not going to go well from the magical thinking people. And sure enough, she Just started, take, she started on shaking faith. me. And I thought, here, I mean, I literally was meta about it. I was thinking, I'm being shook. I am, do, I am in the moment of that I've seen for this entire eight months prior and it's happening to me because I didn't understand red or red. Sister well, Brenda, you know. not a fan of semantics. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> do not do not question Sister Brenda. You know, and I'm old enough to remember because I remember I, there was a teacher in my elementary school who, if you were caught chewing gum, because apparently that was, you know, that was akin to being a communist in the 70s. Um, <laughs> you're chewing gum in class. You know, God forbid you're worried about your breath. It's a false idol. To quote Jeff Garcia, doesn't anybody want fresh breath? Honestly, doesn't anybody want fresh breath? There's a video of Jeff Garcia in NFL films literally asks every player on the bench, you have any gum? Anybody have any gum? Doesn't anybody want fresh breath? And all I thought was, you're the quarterback. You could afford gum. Where's your gum, Jeff? Yeah, you're the Easy. leader. You're the one with the gum. Right. You bring you the gum. You should have the gum, Jeff. You should have the gum. there. And there's why Jeff Garcia never got past the divisional round of the playoffs right there, because <laughs> he didn't have gum. And he didn't bring gum for everybody else. And they all went, you know, at this point, what we need is gum. And we'd get over the and we did win a wild card game. But uh, right. Never got past the divisional round of the playoffs. Um, but we had a teacher who, if you were caught, he would grab you by the cheeks. Wow. And you guys can see me. And he would, like, grab you and pull you across the room by Yikes. the cheeks. In the way and, that you would bridle a horse is what John yes, showed us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the way you would bridle a horse, he would do that to you. And that was acceptable in 1975. I so. uh, In the 80s, my fourth grade French teacher tied my hands behind my back at my desk because I was tapping on my desk with tape. She taped around my hand. So I was handcuffed to my desk. It was your French teacher. Why you know, did you blow up? You'd have surrendered. Those, those are the good old days. Long uh, French teacher, I, you know why? You because a little dominance and she'll surrender. In the eight, I guess in the 80s, the American history wasn't taught as much as it should have been, or I would have known that. <laughs> By the way, you're in your French class in fourth grade? Where the hell do you go to school? What is I, some sort of prep yeah, school? It was, it was here. It was down, down south where they taught what? us right. I didn't think they taught. I didn't thought in that like was a schools they taught English until like the fifth. Grade. That was a pub. <laughs> that was a public school, and that was my switch from German to French. Wow. Yeah. In, wow. in third grade, I had Miss Jaeger. I went to a, a, a private school up until third grade. I had Miss Jaeger, who was our classroom teacher, who taught us German. So that's what it was, John. Is that public schools? Uh, because under certain administrations, it had finally, it had finally filtered down to even the southern states that w these would be basic requirements in the 80s. But because of administration changes uh, starting in January of 81, by the time the late 80s came around, the way it filtered down was like, get rid of that bullshit. We need to have them, you know, learn just about military history and I, uh, I, you know, I, I, a vocational I, trade. I, I don't think that's true because it was 84. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was, this, this happened in 1984. 
be agreed. That's what I'm saying. In 84, it had finally filtered down. And, you know, by 88, you know, the other it, it takes about eight years for any administration's policies. And, to. And filter by down. 84, you know, given given the political climate, they were teaching classes like uh, who you need to blame. Believe me. And Reagan wasn't telling them to teach people French. <laughs> Well, that's what <laughs> one, of the people, one of the people may have been Carter may filtered have. down to Florida eight years later. Oui. One of the people who's on this podcast right now is actually sat in a room alone with Ronald Reagan and had a, had a discussion. I will tell you what he would have what he would have wanted. And he would have wanted to teach you who to blame. Trust me. OK. That's what he would have <laughs> but he was charming about it. Right, Johnny? Well, here's the thing. Mm, these are the people that kept you from getting there. No, 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 no. Not the not the corporate people who've propped me up and told me what to say. It's actually these people, the poor. All right. Anyway, getting away from Great that, Reagan, I think man. we need to get to the answer to our progressive trivia fraud. All right, everyone. I'll tell you. Uh, and last by the one... way, I am the only person on this podcast who ever sat in a room with Ronald Reagan alone and had a conversation. True. Good call. Good so call. Go with me on this one. I was All right. So I will say that our progressive trivia uh, strategies and protocols, John, have um, slipped away from what we've established them at the club, where it would be tough, tough, tough. And slowly but surely, we'd progressively reveal more about the athlete. And then by the end, we'd do a, a semi giveaway, which is what I did this time. Yeah. I said this guy was not a citizen his entire. He just became a citizen five years ago, this guy. So literally, he was his ass back across the border where it belongs, frankly. Well, I know. I don't know why they didn't throw him over the alleged wall back in the day. Illegal. I think he was probably legally in a work visa by the Dodgers, but. No, no. dude. Los Angeles? You could be Mexican in Los Angeles. They let everyone do anything they want. (laughs) No, just just Los Angeles and North. They let them drive. (laughs) They let them have health insurance. They let them. You know, they pay for their education. What? You know, anyway. Mommy, where's the maid? <laughs> Are you paying her $2.12 an hour? Why is she late? Bring me. Well, and if you're horny, you, uh, you know, you take advantage of, uh, of those maids. Okay, so it's Cy Young Award winner. Has le- he led the league over the course of his career and wins complete games, strikeouts, innings, pitch, and shutouts. This guy had a great career. Under a 2.0 postseason ERA, over 16 innings pitch, 160-plus wins, six teams, mainly the Dodgers, played in both leagues, six consecutive all-star appearance, Johnny, one striking out five consecutive AL batters. I think that's just the best. Mm-hmm. Pitched a no-hitter. rookie. He was the only, by the way, to this day, the only guy to have won a Rookie of the Year and a Cy Young in the same year. Wow. How about that? I remember that year. I was in L.A. at the time, and Fernando Mania was a deal. Yep. He was a Southpaw, over 100 complete games, 15-plus seasons. He was uh, well, he was a Mexican. He was a Mexican during his entire MLB career. He wasn't a, he some wasn't of them, American. I'm sure, are good people. He wasn't an American. He wasn't an American during his— uh, sure some of them are good people. And, uh, Mark's, Mark's Fernando, a Giants fan. You know he wanted him deported. Mark, Mark wanted him deported the entire time. Yeah, he really, actually actually, though, 81 was an interesting year for me because I had been in L.A. for so long and I really and I really got to uh, have an affection for the Dodgers in 80 when they when they made a little bit of a run to try and catch the Astros in the West. And Fernando had been called up in September of 80. It didn't count for his rookie year, but he had really helped them get to a place where they had a one game playoff, which the Dodgers lost. But I was re- I was into that last series. And then in 81, I was a, a, a big fan. And in 81, I thought, I literally thought maybe I should be a Rams fan as well. And luckily the Niners 
turn things around in 81. But I mean, that was I was close. Yeah, I had no I mean, I no connection at that point. Didn't really care that much about the Dodgers. Uh, and I had rooted against them you know, as much as I hate the Yankees. Now I pulled for the Yankees because I catfish hunter. I was somebody that I'd met and still one of my favorite players ever. Uh, but uh, Fernando Mania, I, I talked about it. it was my senior year in high school. And in my senior yearbook, I mean, it's one of those where they cover the big events of the year. And Mark, you'll appreciate that. This Stones Tattoo You tour was one of those. Yeah. First, both you and I saw them for the first time in 81 on that tour. Um, but uh, Fernando Mania actually figures in there. It was, you know, that was coming off of a couple of years where baseball, uh, the Phillies won in 80. And that was somewhat interesting. I think more interesting to a lot of us because Pete Rose winning a, a series with some yep. team other than the team he was most known. The 79, that was very provincial with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And then you had those couple of years of the Yankees and the, and, and the uh, Dodgers in 77 and 78. Um, but uh, in 81, but there weren't really any cultural icon moments in baseball at that point. Uh Fernando put Major League Baseball on the map with people who otherwise wouldn't have paid attention. Part of it having to do with being in Los Angeles with celebrities. That is a big, big deal. It's why the Lakers Showtime got to be as big as it did. It was all great basketball, but it was also all the celebrities. And uh, yeah, he was a cultural icon that I don't think people today realize Um there were nightly stories that summer about Fernando on like the national news. His first eight starts, he wins, and he's it's his rookie year. He had it was it was a call up the year before, but it's his rookie year, and five out of those first eight wins were shutouts. It's I mean, crazy. it was he was and, dominant. Yeah, and the way he kind of looked up to the heavens at, at part of his uh you know his his uh, motion. Yeah, it, he it was, was it was. It, it was perfect, and he was, and he was twenty years a old. Sweet personality that people yeah. could get behind, and he, you know, he was just. It seemed like, and, and I know this is oversimplification, but it seemed like he was just happy to be there. But then he was so dominant, and again, it was a Los Angeles team. Uh, yeah, he was uh, again, uh, and I, you know, don't use this lightly. He was a cultural icon at that point in time. And a very important person in Major League Baseball in a period where now by 81 ESPN had been around a couple of years and people were seeing more baseball highlights and consuming baseball in such a way. And he was the baseball highlight of the 1981 season. And it was very interesting in the in the postseason. You know, remember that 81 season, you had a couple of different series to get to the World Series. It's like it is now. But back then, that wasn't the case. But they had. They had a divisional series, if you will, because they had two winners. Uh, they split the season up. So you had to have two se- two series before you got to the World Series, which was not which was unlike anything that was happening at the time. And he was dominant in those two series. And he pitched one game in the World Series, and he has a four-something ERA with there, but it was a complete game. They were down like three or four to nothing. And he held them and held them and held them. And it was game three. They were down two to nothing in the series. They won that game eventually and eventually won the series four to two. Fernando was a huge reason why the Dodgers won that 81 World Series. And it's interesting because, you know, you look at that now and you look at there were going to be those series. And, you know, one of the things about postseason series for managers is setting it up so you have your most dominant pitchers pitching the most often. But Tommy Lasorda didn't have that. Uh, didn't have that luxury because of the way it played out with the two series is that he had to keep, um, you know, Fernando, you had to keep the rotation really where it was because Fernando had to be help you get there to the series. Yeah. And by the time you get there, 
again, you really you're going to get him once in game three and then maybe in a game seven if you get there. But uh, yeah, one and six. Yeah. But they want it in six. Right. He could have come back in seven and pitched. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a really, really uh, that's great progressive trivia. Nice job on your part. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. I'm, I'm all right. Uh, we're well over. By the way, at this point, this is we, the longest show we've ever done. Yeah, we're at an, uh, an hour and a half. And so we need to wrap it up pretty quickly. Our poll question this week is going to be what we talked about. The biggest moments in sports. Now, Mark, do you want to narrow it down to the biggest moments in sports that happened on the field with the Giants or the 49ers? Or can we actually expand it beyond that? I think we can expand it beyond what you have alleged that my narrow definition is. And because it's not that definition, it's, it's I want to hear everybody's position on all of those things. OK, that's fine. Greatest biggest moment on regardless. the field, big, biggest moment, regardless, on the field, on, whatever on or off. And it could be that something that was amazing in the, at the time and also influential, or it could be something that no one necessarily knew at the time and became massively influential, like the Jets game where Bledsoe gets hurt. I think we should open it up to everything. And we. Uh, you know, we ask you to chime in on our Facebook page, on After Further Review Facebook page, or, uh, you know, email us with a voice memo at podcastafr at gmail.com. All right. So that's it. We're well over time. Is there anything else you guys want to throw in before we wrap this thing up? So people, you know, uh, I, I feel good because there are a number of people who tell us they listen to this on their run or their bike ride or something of that nature, and we are contributing to everyone's fitness since they will now be on those runs and bike rides for a much longer period of time. So is there anything you want to add to to give somebody a little more cardio before we go? Thanks all who served. Absolutely. I, I second that completely, and uh, it's a great day and time to remember those who did, to your point, John, give the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, we should also say that... Uh, there's plenty that we left on the table for this show that we'll get to in the next episode when we, we record on Wednesday. Didn't didn't get to our potpourri at all to talk about some comments that Reggie Bush made that were interesting. And uh, so we'll get to that. We'll get to maybe some reopening things uh, right here in Walt Disney World. The ESPN yeah, Wide World is a big sports. story. May uh, may uh, maybe hosting the NBA. It'll be interesting to talk about that. And since we all have experience having been over there, we this might be something we actually have some expertise to talk about. Yeah, not only the NBA, where we pontificate with very little knowledge, but we have interesting insight into the actual facility and in terms of how they're going to lay everything out. We've done a lot of work at the ESPN Wild World Sports, which which the NBA and Walt Disney World are now in exploratory discussions about in terms of reopening in late July in one location at, uh, you know, Walt Disney World in Orlando. All right, boys. Uh, thanks so much. But you guys, I want you to have a great Memorial Day. Jeff, enjoy yours on Wednesday. We'll actually uh, actually be able to talk about your Memorial Day uh, when we record the next show. So that's that's uh, great. Mark, uh, do your best to uh, to hide in the shadows while people are actually preparing food and merry work for yourself. And, uh, you know, and then just sort of dive in. Remember to go around to the other side of the buffet. There might be something more than uh, buns and uh, and uh, lettuce meat. and tomato to put on. Buns well, you meat. won't even get to the meat. You'll just, you know, Mark will be having <laughs> buns with lettuce and tomato and mayonnaise. Hey, that's a pretty good spread, huh? Where did you get where did you get the baked beans? Is it, there were hot dogs and hamburgers? Hot I, 
I just really yes. just so problematic. Riddled, hey. riddled with issues, Johnny. Thanks to everybody who served. Thanks for listening to After Further Review. Remember, if you're listening to this now, and I'll go on, I'll do a little thing. We're not going to do a progressive trivia today. It's 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 a it's a holiday, and plus, you know, Lenny, you've won enough. Let's just be honest here. We may have to retire oh, Lenny. We should have given the standings today, John. Well, we didn't get to that. No, I fell down on that. We'll, we'll do give, it Wednesday. It's the holiday show. We'll do it on Wednesday. We will give you the standings. Here's what I'll tell you. Lenny Rowe is well ahead of everyone yeah, he's, else. He's doing well. Lenny Rowe oh, is oh, he's the Zick, Falcons he's making at halftime. A run. He's, the Zick, he's making a little run, though. Is he? All right. Well, Lenny's the Falcons at halftime at this point. Oh, so, by the way, I'm sorry. One more tweet. All right, one more. We have a retro tweet to end the show. Here we go. Speaking of, at Matty Boston. At Matty Boston. Up 28-3. to About to school Tim Brady. Oh, it's Tom. My bad. Forgettable name. Forgettable QB. Hashtag overrated. Hashtag Falcons Dynasty. Hashtag Super Bowl MVP, baby. Hashtag. What could go on? Hashtag what could go wrong. All right. Well, that's interesting because now they're both in the same division. They get to meet twice. So hashtag buckle up. QB. Matty what Boston. Matt Boston. All right. Fair enough. All right. This has been After Further Review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again uh, next time, everybody. Take care.